Hello everybody, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do, most things to do, with the world of alternative music, be that rock, metal, punk, or even extreme metal if you ask really nicely. I don't care, it's the Christmas season. I'll do what I want. Coming up on this week's show, just album reviews from Beartooth and their album Disease, former Turbo... Turbo Negro frontman Hank Von Hell is back in the music world with Egomania and Buried Tomorrow with Black Flame. Uh, but first, the news and Prima Horizon frontman. I feel like I'm blasting through this a lot. I've realised I've left everything at the end of the day. I've got people due home soon and I need to go for a work meal. So if it sounds like I'm rushing, it's because I am. Uh, anyway. Bring the Horizon frontman Ollie Sykes has said that modern music, modern rock music that is, is soft, miserable and boring. This coming from a man who not long ago released That's the Spirit. Uh, he says rappers, rappers are among, oh fuck me, I'll try that again. Rappers are almost a new rock and roll or punk or whatever. Rock's gone soft and it's gone miserable and boring. There's not really much exciting about it. So it's important that we cross over because we feel... Like, we belong more in a place where people just like music and not about how heavy it is. Almost feel like those two uh, comments contradict each other, but never mind. It is a daft statement, to be honest. It really is. Um, just looking at the kind of music that's come out this year shows that rock um, rock music is not scared or frightened or anything at all. Look at Marmoset, look at Zealand Arda. Um, the three albums I'm going to do today, like the very just British music in general. Okay, so let's forget about Zena Nala. You got Marmoset, you got Berry Tomorrow, you got Black Peaks. None of those like bands are anything less than just super interesting music right now. They are not your clean cut, boring X plus Y plus Z, like how Count Your Blessings was, for example. They are all doing something really, really interesting and trying to blend as much together as possible. So, Ollie Sykes, you're a dafty. The, this year's Grammy nominations have been announced. Grammys don't tend to be very friendly to um, the world of alternative music, but they have like their own separate rock category and the lineups aren't looking too bad. Uh, so, just for rock, so... For best rock performance, you've got Arctic Monkeys with four out of five, uh, Chris Cornell with when Go- when bad goes good, The Fever three through three with Made in America, and Greta Van Fleet with Highway Tune and Hailstorm with Uncomfortable. For that, there's a lot of Arctic Monkeys is a very Grammy band. Um, Stripe is a very Grammy band. Chris Cornell, they might just go for. It sounds really cynical, but they might go for the. Tug an old heartstring thing. I can't see it going to Fever 333, and I absolutely can't see it going to Hailstorm. Possibly Greta Van Fleet. Everyone's been going nuts over them. They are like the second coming of. Um, I was going to say Leonard Skinner, then that was very off. Led Zeppelin. Um, but yeah. If I had to pick. Mm, That's the thing with Grammys. You can never. It's pointless to try and guess. Because it would be that as a guess. They, you have no idea how they work things. And they're like Ollie. And they just don't know what's going on. Best metal performance. Which actually is not a bad selection. Between the Bear and Me with Contempt of the Gallows. Which is a fucking great song. Death Heaven with Honeycomb. High on Fire with Electric Messiah. 
Trivium with Betrayer, which is a very good shout, and Under Oath with On My Teeth. Again, based on Grammys when it comes to like rock and metal and that kind of thing, they tend to go for what's calls the most activity online. Not necessarily the worst or the best, just what's caused the most of my opinions. For me, I think that'll go to Death Heaven. If I had to choose, I think Content of the Gallows is a fucking stupendous song and Portray It as well is just fantastic. But I think Honeycomb by Death Heaven will nab that one. Uh, best Rock Song, Greta Van Fleet again with Black Smoke Rising. 21 Jumpsuits, is it 21? Fuck me, why can't I do anything? 21 Pilots with Jumpsuit. Uh, Bring Me the Horizon with Mantra, St. Vincent with Mass Adduction, never even heard of them. And Ghost with Rats. Again, Ghosts have caused the most amount of like talk over the past 12 months or so. Uh, I can see they're going to 21, ju- 21 Pilots. Why don't I keep calling 21 Jumpsuits? Um, just because 21 Pilots are one of the biggest things going right now. And Best Rock Album, Alison Chains, Rainier Fog. Fallout Boy Mania, if Mania winner, I'm going to be so fucking angry. Uh, Ghost Prequel, uh, Great Van Fleet from the, Scar- from the Fires. And Weezer Pacific Daydream. God, please don't let it go to Weezer. The Pacific Daydream was shit. The White Album was fucking incredible. And I'm quite looking forward to the Black Album coming out next year. But not that. Um, if there's any kind of God, it'll go to Rainier Fog. Maybe Prequel. I haven't listened to Regret My Fleet. It's not my kind of thing. But I think it will go to them. If it goes to Fall Out Boy, fucking nothing is real. And finally, in terms of like the rocky metal sort of stuff, best alternative music album, Arctic Monkeys with Tranquility, Base Hotel and Casino, Beck Colours, Utopia by Bjork, David Byrne by David Byrne with American Utopia and St. Vincent with Mass Seduction. Again, I haven't listened to any of those albums, so I can't comment. But that was the Grammys for this year. Um I don't know why we try and bother. In fact, yeah, let's move on, because it never goes well for us. Um Megadeth leader Dave Mustaine says the band are hoping to have a new studio album out in spring of next year. It will be a follow-up to 2016's fairly well-received Dystopia. And as long as it doesn't go down the route of... Oh, I was going to call it Sonic Highways, but I don't think that's right. Um, I can't even remember what it's called. They did a really shit out. Basically, it was that bad people were calling it Risk 2.0, which no one ever wants that. It was, of course... Why can Google never be helpful? Super Collider! Oh, God, yeah, I remember now. Fuck me, that bad. That one was bad. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully we'll go more towards Dystopia. Or, if if we're being really, really jammy, maybe another Endgame. But that's unlikely. Uh, Baron Seabell says a new Fear Factory album will be coming out in 2019, which is quite surprising because last couple of years there's been rumours of Fear Factory breaking up and just disbanding altogether. Um, Dino Cazares, which is the Fear Factory guitarist, said that there was no news to report about the band. Cazares and Bell both went off to do various different side projects. I know Cazares has been trying to revive Divine Heresy recently. But according to Burnsy Bell, there's a new Fear Factor on the way and hopefully coming out some point next year, which I'll be quite looking forward to that. I didn't mind the last Fear Factor album. 
Former Motley Crue bassist Nikki Six is currently planning a trilogy project out throughout the year of 2019. Uh, comes up after being in the studio with old crew bandmates Vince Neil, Tommy Lee, and Mick Mars. They've been recording some tracks for their uh, biopic that's coming out soon called The Dirt, and that's out the 22nd of March. Uh, I think I read that it was a Netflix exclusive, and they've got one of them from Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Um, the one that isn't Jon Snow, and the one that isn't the one that everyone hates, but everyone still hates him anyways. Ewan something. He's apparently playing Nikki Six. I didn't see it personally, but what do you know? And finally, the sequel we've all been waiting for, apparently. Um, last week, I spoke about how Canadian doom metal band Witch Rock split up in spectacular fashion, basically saying how the guitarist said that their... No, was it? No, it was a... sorry, the bassist said that their guitarist had been sleeping with his girlfriend for the past... of seven years inside the Slippers band, and by the way, our drummer's dead. As it turns out, not all of that is true. So, as... I... I'm just gonna... Just gonna... I'm popping my collar, I don't know why I'm doing that, you can't see that. But I'm popping my collar basically saying, I was right, their drummer Simon Coe isn't actually dead. Um, the bassist Peter Turek has come out with a brand new statement saying, I posted on Witchwatch's Facebook page that the band was taking a break. Two people I cared about stabbed me, uh, stabbed me a trillion times in the heart with betrayal and that resentment scars like hellfire. God. Um, it, it obviously let me a little bit wretched. I always hate when bands stop dead without any updates and I felt I might as well let people know. After writing, I asked Simon, our drummer, who quit a couple weeks prior, if that was a good idea. He said, yeah, but say I died, no one will give a shit. Clearly they did, you know, fucking say. Jurek then says that he's been floored by the amount of support and attention the post has made across the interwebs, i.e. he went viral. And now he's decided to go back on what he said, teaming up with their vocalist Leah and is currently recording new shenanigans. Uh, he says we booked time, we booked studio time, and we'll. Oh fuck me! We booked studio time and also decided to recruit some friends to play Lee's Pass in Toronto on December twenty eighth. Of course, now we have big plans to tour extensively in the near future. No sense waiting around. We've had so many talented friends that can easily learn our songs in no time. It's doom metal. I believe what he says. And thus, oh, somewhere between this and threaten, it's possibly the weirdest story I've read this year, but. Who am I to judge? Uh, new, new music that came out this week. Children of Bottom released a new song, Under Grass and Clover. It's their first song with ex-Northern guitarist Daniel Freiberg. And their album Hex is coming out, I think it was March next year. Altitudes and Attitude have a new song called Late. I hadn't heard of him either, but that's a new project from Megadeth bassist Dave Ellison, Anthrax bassist Frank Bello, and a perfect circle drummer Jeff Friedel. It's taken from Get It Out which is out the 18th of January. And finally, Dream Theatre have released Untethered Angel, taken from Distance Over Time, out some point next year. Uh, oh, and one more album. King Diamond is back, kind of. He's releasing Songs for the Dead Live, a double live album that's going to be, I think it's taken from Grass Pop in 2016, which is a weird thing to want to release, like, build up and release and produce, but... He's King Diamond, he could do a fight one. He's just had quadruple heart bypass surgery. So he's metal as fuck, I don't care. Um, the album will basically feature Abigail, which is their like, seminal album out 
um, recording full, plus a few more little extras here and there spanning across his discography, including his time with... Oh, God, why can't I remember the name? I was going to say Diamond Head, but that's very, very wrong. Um, fuck. Merciful Fate, thank you, Internet. Goddamn. You can tell I'm Russian. I can't remember a fucking thing, and I'm dumb. Uh, straight into album reviews, then. There was going to be four. I was trying to get Black Peaks in, but... Oh, God. I do really enjoy the Black Peaks album, and it needs more than just a quick ten minutes sat on the sofa trying to blot out things as much as possible. So, I'm going to try and get that done for next week, along with the Last Farewell EP, and no doubt some others. And then the week after that, I'm probably going to release the al top 20 albums of the year. Sounds weird. Doing like the top 20 albums of the entire year based on the fact that it'll only be technically episode 3, but hopefully that'll give people a more generalised idea about what's to come in the future from the Desolation Sounds podcast. Right, so, album number one, Disease by Beartooth. It is their third studio album for the American Hardcore Troupe, and it is the band fronted, or led, by former Attack Attack vocalist, that's the one with one exclamation mark, and keyboardist Caleb Shomo. The man with the weird name. Um, I say vocalist keyboardist. He pretty much did everything towards the end of that band. It's fucking insane. And uh, it, he basically in the studio, it is all him. But like, they are technically still a band. So technically, I should we were saying it's their first album with ex like Master Flames guitarist Zach Hut Huston. I might have that wrong. I thought his name was Hudson. Anyway, when Beartooth first popped onto the scene it was such a fucking surprise because attack attack pretty much went vi viral for all the wrong reasons that first album was pretty dreadful and the music video that came with it was the one where they were all crap coring in some park somewhere it looked fucking awful and caleb showman was nothing but a just very big fringe and a very small boy because i'm pretty sure he i read he joined attack attack when he was 14 which is incredible I wish I was talented at 14 or 24, anything in between. Um, they released three albums, I believe, all together. And annoyingly, that last album before their breakup wasn't awful. It was very, like, your bog standard American medical thing. But that was when he was properly trying to get the album what he wanted. You can sort of tell where... It stopped being a band, started more becoming his thing, and then what eventually became Beartooth. Um, but yeah, This Means War, really, really good collection of songs, and it wasn't, it was back when like synthy metalcore was dying off, but it was still enough of a metalcore album to be called that, and it was just very, very fun. But still, you've got that, that's the Caleb show we had for years, and years, and years, and then all of a sudden he comes out with uh, disgusting and uh, disgusting and the sick EP which was punk as motherfucking shit it was just and with him taking the lead vocals as well he always had he's a, he, he's got a very like expansive voice he can do lots of cleans he can do a variety of different screams and growls whatever but with attack and attack it was very much that low metalcore growl with that very big cleans to like um, go alongside it for the choruses but with sick and disgusting it was very much he screamed on all ends of the spectrum 
Tony used um, cleans very sparingly, and it, it just became this full full on attack of a punk of the punk spectrum, and it was very very good. I really really enjoyed those first two releases. Sick and disgusting. Um, I found aggressive quite meh. If I'm completely honest, I do have I've listened to it, and it's just doesn't grip me in the same way disgusting did or sick did, and. I was having to think about why, and with aggressive, it was very much paint by numbers, hardcore metalcore again. And it was I always find when Caleb just does something, what's it almost like what he's supposed to sound like, it comes off sounding quite stale. Like the early, I know he didn't have much more of a voice then, but the early attack attack stuff is very. Um, it was a mess. Let's be honest. And then with aggressive, it was a case of let's do what. Metalcore says we need to do and then it just didn't quite work Whereas with Disgusting that kind of that latter-day attack attack album and with this one It's very much a case of I want it to sound like this again. I want to do what I want and Fair fucks to him. He's absolutely nailed it and this album is just I love this album a lot more than I felt like I was going to based on what I thought about aggressive it is so full of melody, yet so abrasive all at the same time. And again, whereas with Disgusting, it did go like from hardcore to metalcore, or almost even to like thrash metal at the time, or crossover. This has gone kind of the other way, but same sort of concept. So you've got a lot of metalcore stuff, loads of hardcore things, but it's also, it's almost easycore album, this. Um, breaks into a lot of pop punk stuff. The... Uh, tone on the guitars sounds like they could easily back up Zach Wild. That classic bluesy but really crunchy hard rock kind of sound. Listen to Disease and Believe. It's all over there and it's got him using such his big vocals again. His big clean vocals. And it is a lot. It's got so much more of a mainstream appeal which I was kind of like thinking about. It's kind of uh, What's the word I'm trying to think of? Kind of trying to hypocrite, kind of hypocritical with me basically saying I love this because it's so much more mainstream and so much more pop oriented and so much more accessible. Whereas last week I was shitting on the Shining album for the exact same reasons. The reason why this differs is with Shining, it was a case of they scrapped everything that made them popular and what got them a fan base and what made them good, and just sort of pandered to what they were what um animals eventually became whereas with this i honestly feel like caleb has got everything that he wants to do and just met like almost melded it to a mainstream appeal because he wanted lots more melody he want i feel like he wanted to use his cleans more <clears throat> excuse me and yes yeah, you can if you listen to a song or from this album completely void or you just put it in a shuffle with everything bear tooth ever done you would still see oh yeah this is this belongs in bear tooth's realm whereas i don't think you could have done that with anything from al uh, from animals sorry and it's still got like i said it's still got the little the faintest whiffs from attack on attack mostly the huge fucking choruses um american metalcore always has that like the very chuggy chuggy fast Verses and it's very stereotypical verse chorus verse chorus breakdown blow But just the chorus is from um, 
Fire and Greatness of Death are the two that I've really picked out. And it's just... It's staggering. He can. There's not many vocalists who can do a really powerful scream and then a really powerful clean. Usually you can get one or the other who does like powerful scream but then just like mediocre cleans or vice versa. And especially, he's 28 years old. Come on! Why can't I be good at things? Um, it will, it's split a lot of, from what I was reading about, it's split a lot of critics and a lot of reviewers based on the fact that kind of like what I was saying about Shanghai, it's a little bit too mainstream radio. Um, and I kind of see why they think that. I honestly think this is the closest hardcore punk has gotten to the mainstream radio for a very long time. Like I've read about how bands like the Dead Kennedys and Bad Brains did back in the day. But I feel like that's still counterculture and that's just in the years since we've come to appreciate what they've done. This I could definitely hear, well definitely imagine seeing some of the softer songs like Disease or Believe on Radio 1. And it doesn't have to be the rock show, it can just be like a bog standard rock song put on there. For better or for worse, I, I dig it because as much shit as we give these kind of bands like Linkin Park, Linkin Park 12 at the end and this new latter day sort of Bring Horizon sort of stuff. Everyone needs that gateway band to get them into the more expansive stuff. Like one of my, my one of my favorite albums for this year is Zelenada. It is a black metal album with lots of chanting, spiritual influences from back, like in the in the really bad days. And you don't go from you don't go straight to that. You ne you cannot go straight to that. I remember being a kid listening to uh, Linkin Park, uh, uh, Hyper Theory by Linkin Park. American Idiot, Dead Letters by Erasmus. You you need those gateway bands. And I honestly think for people who want to get into punk, this is great. And all, just fucking listen to Manipulation. The riff on that makes me fucking cry with just excitement. And I'm like, I don't know. It's so good is what I'm saying. If nothing else, just get it for that. It might be super generic to you. I get that because it is American hardcore trying to be mainstream. But I think this album is fucking great um if you liked we're trying to think about what i could compare it to if you liked from death to destiny from death to destiny by asking alexandria which was the their third album again really big melodic choruses that you can have uh, arenas and cr there's crowds of any size to sing back at you if you're a fan of that if you're a fan of a day to remember fan of a four year strong really recommend this album to you guys that was Disease by Beartooth. I kind of forgot what I was going to say. Disease by Beartooth. Uh, check it out. It is If you are a fan of Beartooth already, it's probably closer. It, I think it does stand alone, actually. I can't say it's closer to between aggressive and disgusting. I can't really say it's closer from one to the other. It is in the Beartooth hemisphere, but it does stand alone. And it's really, really fucking great. From one former front... Yeah, former frontman. Former frontman of a band that had a bit of a cult following to another. Hang Fun Hell is out back again from Turbo Negro. I don't know why I keep forgetting my words. Yeah, Hang Fun Hell is out with a new album called Egomania. It is the debut solo album from the uh, former Turbo Negro frontman. 
and it's his first pit of musical output since 2011 when he fronted a supergroup called Dr. Midnight and the Mercy Cult and they released an album called I Declare Treason. And it was very good actually. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, for people who don't know who Hank Von Hell is, he used to be called um, a variety of names. When he was fronting Turbo Negro, he was Hank Von Helvetter. And I'm only putting that accent on because I've been to Sweden, don't you know? And I vaguely remember how that word's meant to be pronounced. But basically, he made a career of double entendres, um, a lot of tongue-in-cheek, tongue-in-cheek jokes regarding, first of all, punk rock and how it can be a bit silly sometimes, and then just homosexuality. The way I th see Hank is it's kind of like a punk rock equivalent of Rob Halford or a punk rock equivalent of Freddie Mercury except Hank likes girls that's pretty much the only thing the only difference absolutely <coughs> and he wore more face paint um Egomania carries a lot of that trademark Turbo Negro sound it uh, there's a lot of glam in it so much glam um lots of glam lots of hard rock punch um that underlay and that little grittiness of punk rock but it's got the modern production for today. And over time, I've realized I've become a lot more of a production snob. So I, I do enjoy the mixing and the production for this album. And it feels like every time you press play, by the time you finish the album, you're expected to wake up face down on a Brighton nightclub with a pocket full of bags of two peas. It is just so sleazy I, I've never been I'll happily say I've never been a big fan of the glam metal scene from particularly from the 70s and 80s excuse me um, because it again contradicts everything you just said but it leans excuse me too close to that like poppy uber clean sound and, and when I say this I'm thinking of bands like Poison and I can't remember the other one Skid Row if it was gritty like this, which I know is like, technically it's glam punk or whatever. If it was gritty like this, I feel like A, glam metal in general would be a completely different beast. And B, I think I'd be all over that. I'd be walking out and about wearing skinny like skinnier trousers, like leather leopard print trousers. No one wants that, but I'd rock it. Lyrically, it's still completely ridiculous. Oh my God. So the opening track is called Pretty Decent Exposure. That is a song about walking around town with your dick out. And then the follow-up to that is a track called Blood. And it is a the cheesiest brass-backed track. Which is really difficult to say. That's why I had to slow down a bit. And it's all about menstruation. So you've got... It's it's all encompassing. You've got... A, if you're a lady person or if you're a manly person. You've got a bit for everything. Um... I was having a look at finding out what other people thought about this album because Turbo Negro has a very cult following. Um, their fan base is called the, I think it's the Turbo Jugend, Jugend, something like that. And it's to the point where they get together once a year and they hold like a mini festival that Turbo Negro play pretty much every year. They get a variety of different um, acts in to play as well it has they have such a strong very serious following and i feel like everyone who's out a lot of the reviews i've seen that are completely outside the bubble just say it's 
it's too daft, it's too this, it's too that. This is absolutely not an album to be taken seriously. It's the sort of thing you have on in the background of a party, or if you're doing something else, you just want like the filter noise. It's just you can tap your foot to it, you can sing along to it. It's just it is a, such a fun album, and it's becoming very difficult to find fun albums. Like put it on the same line as Andrew WK. Like I wasn't, I must admit, I wasn't a big fan of his album that came out last year. But that, just the general essence, essence of you put it on, just to just a, just a chill out, just to have a bit of a laugh, have a bit of fun. And I feel that's glossed over a lot of people on this one. But if you do want to look at like the serious interest, intricities, intricacies, intricacies of this album, the guitar work on here is just fucking incredible. Uh, it's a newer guitar, I think it's a completely new guitar, it's called Cat Casino, well that's what the name she's been going by. And for a guitarist who, from what I understand, has no other notes or no other like releases under her belt to work with Hank, they've never worked before, obviously. Hank's got such a like, back catalogue of releases, I think he's been, Turbo Negro's first album was... 94 I think it's like 20 plus year lineage to work with him straight away as your first project it just they work together so well and she keeps things she keeps them so interesting without taking away from the star of the show which is obviously Hank and compliments them so well um, the song at the end the album closer Adios Where's My Sombrero it's, it sounds like if Fallout was ever set in Mexico. It's a first half of songs are very slow placed um, on a steel guitar. Just you can almost feel yourself just like milling about somewhere, and the second hand half of it is borderline thrash metal song, and that helps it. In, for, for the isolated song, it's really great as a whole for the album. The contradiction between her and Hank with the upbeat cheesy songs so things like Blood and Wild Boy Blues which is a fucking great song it is intermixed with very like slower pace it sound songs that sound serious but when you read the lyrics you realise that oh yeah he's just a bit of a daft bastard but for example you've got the song Bum to Bum which is the lead single that is a very upbeat hard rock song then you've got Never Again which is a very slow bluesy heavy metal song and then you're on Bomb Walk Sheet Bomb Walk Sheet which is a very like glammy upbeat song again and there's a couple of songs that do what Never Again do they just sort of slow the pace down after you've spent all this time getting really really into it and it does hurt it a little bit not <sighs> Yeah, it does hurt it because you kind of want to keep it going. It's kind of like a party. You do want to keep it going, keep the excitement up, and then you've got one person who keeps talking about his girlfriend that left him. That's a bummer, dude. Take that shit up elsewhere. I'm sorry, I don't care about feelings. Um, I compared this to the more recent Turbo Negro stuff. I haven't listened to the new album because I did not realize they released one. Apparently, Turbo Negro released an album this year. Who knew? 
Um, so I went back to the first album they did with Tony Sylvester, who was the replacement for Hank in Turbo Negro, uh, called Sexual Harassment. And listen to Sexual Harassment now, you kind of feel like something is missing. And I think it's down to the vocal delivery. So whereas Hank is very... You can tell he's like a punk vocalist, but he's, his delivery in his vocals... It's almost camp, which is a weird thing to say. It's very... No matter the song. He's even got songs like All My Friends Are Dead and Dead and Demon and I Got Erection. Every single song, it's a very whimsical, very light-hearted delivery. Whereas Tony Sylvester is a... By the sound of it, he's a really good punk vocalist, but he just doesn't fit. For me, at least. I might be, bleh, might be completely off. But for me, he just doesn't fit quite right in that very flamboyant very easygoing turbo negro sound that made them famous might just be me i it's probably unfair because like i said sexual harassment was released in 2011 2012 early 2010s which is a weird thing to say and so it's probably unfair to judge him based on record number one with his new band so i might try and find the turbo negro one and report back but I think this album is just hilarious fun. Not to the point where it's a comedy album, but yeah, if you're a fan of that old school Turbo Negro sound, I really think you'll enjoy this. Um, if you're a fan of Steel Panther, more the sound over the vocal lines again. Like I said, Hank Von Hale doesn't take himself too seriously, but I would not say this is a comedy album. And also Volbeat as well, I found myself drawing comparisons to. Based on how Volbeat can do that, pretty chill hard rock sound but still have like enough of a heavy metal backing to really bring it along but yeah Terminator Steel Panther Volby if you like any of them I reckon you're really into well really be into Hank Von Hell with Egomania and yeah like I said what's gonna be four albums I'm just gonna end it on Bury Tomorrow now because I feel like Black Peaks needs more needs more set about than just it were really good and then fuck off so stick to Bury Tomorrow, which as I was trying to work, the reason why everything got so delayed is because I re-listened to Black Flame, which is um, album number five for the Metalcore Quintet. And I completely changed my, well, not completely, but I really, really changed my opinions on this. So when Bury Tomorrow were becoming a really big thing, it was like, so I'm thinking album two was when people really started to notice, in my opinion, which was the Union of Crowns. Metalcore was in such a weird state. You had While She Sleeps released their debut, which was This Is The Six, which was fantastic. Architects were back from the follow-up of The Here and Now, which was Daybreaker, which was fantastic. And you had Brotherhood of the Lake, a new up-and-coming band again with this very dark, decrepit version of Hardcore with Desperation is the English way, Volume 1, also very, very good. That was sort of like bringing in a revival for Metalcore after years of people saying that's not metal or it's not pro it's not good or it's this that or the other basically it's all fringes which I will make fun of a lot but these sort of bands were bringing the revival at the same time there were bands who were still leaving it quite stagnant and boring um, you had Amity Affliction with Chasing Ghosts and Axe Wound as well with Vultures and a plethora of other bands who were just very much this is metalcore we're going to do that and that's about it. It was just very 
because I think it was around this time Attack Attack that's saved before released um, this is now I've forgotten what it's called already this means war don't know where I got that from yeah that was released in 2012 now. so same year as Union of Crowns we had This Means War a very good album but again you're like oh no okay album has got a bit ahead of myself there a very okay album but it just metal call the time like I said you had the one side of revival this one where it's this side of it which is very long straight line and the bands that were doing something different were very they were received in a very mixed degree so you had Eskimo Cowboy with Bury Me in Vegas which got shat on because it's just very uber synthy metalcore at the same time you had issues with their Black Diamonds EP also doing very uber synthy uh, metalcore but made it look made it look so cool bringing that R&B flair to it and kind of bringing in this newer age that we've seen more a couple of years well more recently sorry of this new metal metalcore and at the same time you had well around this time sorry you had Daggers by Defiled which remains one of my favourite albums of all time why did they split up so yeah Union Crowns I feel like sat somewhere in the middle of all this it was part of the British led revival of very good very hooky metalcore it still stayed with the verse chorus verse chorus um structure of like the stagnancy and then when it's something different it, the uh, clean vocalist uh, Jason Cameron had just for me just that little bit he had like the a gritty clean that could have absolutely it obviously belongs in metalcore but at the same time it could easily belong in pop which I'll talk to talk about more in a bit and over the years they just got like uh, Barry Tamar just got better and better Runes, everyone's thought was like a one-up from uh, Union of the Crowns. I wasn't into it that much, so that meant I ended up just glossing over the next album, which was Earthbound. Earthbound, everyone says, is so far like Barry Tomorrow's peak. That's the part where they were they could be held in the same regard as your band, like While She Sleeps in Architect. Well, maybe not Architect, but Shoulder to Shoulder with. UK Metalcore Brethren, that was the album that people thought, yes, you you belong here. And so for this album, it's a follow-up from Earthbound. Like I said, I, can't, I don't know if I'm in a good position or a bad position to be able to compare it to Earthbound based on the fact that I haven't heard it. I've basically just got to go on how a modern a modern day Bury Tomorrow, their first album on... Uh, is it Music for Nations? Nation of Music? Music for Nations? The new label essentially after leaving um i think it was napalm or no nuclear blast i think and this it takes a few listens to get on board i've had this sat in my phone and my to listen list for about two months three months because when you listen to it isolated after like when you're shuffling through you hear a very initially what you think is a very initial uh, basic metalcore song you think oh just get around to it sitting down and listening to this album is a completely different experience there's so much more melodic death metal in this which is what there's, i've always thought there's always two kinds of metalcore you've got the metallic hardcore so you converge you wash your sleep that kind of thing or you've got the newer like american influence metalcore which is hardcore You've got like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, like the roughs and then the cleans, but it's very 
Swedish death metal influence. This has got fuck it. Uh, no less violent. No less violent. Sorry, which is the opener, I think. It's the song that everyone's been asking Inflames to write for the pat for nearly ten years since Sounds of a Playground fading. The the album just well that song so just absolutely smashes the guitar work on there, which I'll go into a little bit more in a bit, is fucking phenomenal. Um, Knife of Gold that starts with blast beats and a really, really like sickening scream from Daniel Winter Bates. And then finally, Stormbringer is a full-on thrash melodith onslaught. It's up in the extremity of the album, well, like of their back catalog so much. And like I was saying, the riffs in this album, like there's one, I think the main riff in the verses for Peacekeeper easily, easily could live on Holy Hell, which I think for a metalcore band is like the peak at the moment because Architects are definitely up there. And I think, well, the vocals on this album, they contrast each other, which is what a good metalcore, well, uh, this kind of metalcore album should do. But they are not abrasive and they don't clash at all. Or they clash in a negative way, I should say. You've got, like I said, Daniel Winter Bates, he's the harsh vocalist. I feel like with this album, he's got a lot more natural range. He can go to um, growls and screams quite fluidly. Reminds me of, again, I'm going to bring it back to Asking Alexandra. Reminds me of. Danny Warsnop around that sort of era where he could bounce between two very well. And then you've got Jason Cameron who does the cleans. Still, I honestly think he could... I, I was trying to think who I would love him in the world of like mainstream and pop, that sort of thing. Who I'd love him to do collaboration with. And I honestly think he could sit shoulder to shoulder with Hoosier. I just... The, I was listening to it just before recording. Just trying to like obviously make notes down. That's why, like I said, it was a bit delayed. And initially, I thought I preferred Beartooth, and now I just don't know. Um, Overcast, which I th again, I think is the album ender. No, it's not. It's the second to last. And the, the chorus on there is huge. It is so, so good. And he just sounds so emotive as he sings. And it's just... I'm down for it. It's a weird thing. I'm down for this. I honestly think that they've got the production... And the mixing, particularly the mixing of this album, so on point. Um, particularly Black Flame, so the lead single, the title track, Black Flame. The chorus on that, you've got uh, Jason obviously singing his part. You've got Daniel underneath with growls. And that works really well together. And then Jason will stop and then they'll mix up Daniel again. So he'll do the Black Flame. And then it goes back to the other way around. They know who needs to be the centre point of every part of a song. And like I said, I was trying to figure... I Initially, I preferred Beartooth because I've always preferred much more punk rock kind of things. But now, listen to it again. I cannot pick between the two because they are so, so good, but in totally different ways. Um, I was trying to think... If you're a fan of Killswitch Engage, Parkway Drive, or... I'd even say Miss Mayer, because Miss Mayer have been getting progressively better over the last few albums. If you're a fan of any of those guys, do check out Black Flame. If you just like British 
fueled metalcore and like the Swedish Melodeth scene. And if you're like me, who's a bit cynical about that kind of metalcore, because I know I always I keep bringing it back to Union Crowns. Of good as good as that was, it did have moments where it's like this is very black and white, and that's kind of what I felt about Runes. Like I said, I missed Earthbound. If you're a fan of that, or if you've always been quite cynical about that kind of metalcore, I get it. But I think this album it won't come immediately. Like I said, I've, I've took me three months to start actually listening to it. I think I've been listening to it on and off for about two weeks, and it's only about an hour ago where it clicked and went, "Oh shit, this out, this is this is this." I'd highly recommend it. Buried tomorrow, Black Flame, and yeah, unfortunately, I was gonna do Black Peaks as well with all that divides. I am not very good at time management, so it'll probably come next week. This has been Destination Sound podcast. Um, I am on all sorts of different social medias. This week we've been looking at Bear Tooth Disease, Hank Von Hell, Egomania, and Barry Tomorrow, Black Flame. It's been a very good week. Next week, like I said, Black Peaks, and I think I'm going to do Last Farewells EP, which is a very um, indie, post-hardcore album. Think a very a much more aggressive version of Touche Mori. That's going to come next week. And yeah, feel free to get in touch. But until next week, I'll see you guys later. Goodbye. <laughs>